Do you know what time it is? It's cringy intro time because I still don't have one. Will I ever get one? Who knows? But you know what? It's only like 10 seconds of me being cringy and you can handle it. I know you can. I believe in you, babe. If you're new here, welcome to Deadlifts and Daddy Issues. As always, I am your host, your CEO, and your birth mother of this podcast, and I love it, and there's not a damn thing I would change about it. Um, Let me start off by saying, normally, I pre-record my intros before my guests come on. This one, I actually went back and I'm recording the intro after I've done the interview. It was very impactful. Carolyn was an open book. She shared her story. It was beautiful. I had goosebumps and chills the entire time we were recording it, the entire time I was editing it, and I want you guys to know, like, just how much I appreciate the fact that she was so vulnerable and that she was so willing to share her story and bring light to something that I don't think really gets and I know doesn't get enough light. So when it's talk, when you hear me talk about, oh, I pre-recorded your intro. Well, I did. And then I deleted it and I started over. So um, again, this was an honor and a privilege and I am so grateful for her and the things that she shares in this interview. I'm also um, going to put in another trip warning. Carolyn does talk about her eptopic pregnancy and if that's something that's going to bother you, any of those details, what the healing looked like, if, if you think that any of that might bother you, this is your opportunity to close out of this. Um, this may not be the episode for you to listen to and I completely understand and I love you with all of my heart regardless. Okay, I think I said everything I needed to say. I'm not used to recording an intro after my guest has spoken. So I think that's everything. <laughs> Without further ado, here is Carolyn. Um, so I always pre-record my intros before my guests come on. So you don't get to know what that sounds like until um this airs on Monday. Is it in like two days Monday? In like two days Monday. Woo! Okay. You would think that I would time this a little bit better, but I don't. No pressure. <laughs> because um, my ADHD doesn't allow me to, like, work ahead. You're good. So, <laughs> we are officially recording. So, everybody, let's give, I know you, she won't hear you, but let's give Miss Carol, do you go by Carolyn? Do you have, like, a nickname you prefer to go by? You know, um, as an adult, <laughs> I've been Carolyn. Um, no one knows my name because it's not on my Instagram. Um, and then when I was younger, my main name was Cook, and everyone called me Cookie or Cook. Um, but That's that adorable. And now it's just Carolyn. <laughs> I feel like you look like a cookie, though. Oh. Like, I can see it. Do I need to reclaim Cookie from, like, high school? Maybe. Maybe you should change your Instagram handle. <laughs> Yoga Cookie? Jones? Yoga Cookie. Well, cookie. I need to get powerlifting in there, so. Powerlifting cookies and yoga. It could literally be like your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, there you go. You're set already. There it is. That sounds adorable, honestly. I know. And I know not shit about yoga. Um, clearly, uh, Carolyn seen my handstand and she was not very happy about it. 
that trend drove me crazy. Oh, we all got called out. She's like, you bitches aren't doing this right. I just, everyone was dumb, like, the way they were bending into their low back. So I'm just like, oh, my God, please stop. And then, like, you can dump into your shoulders if you're not pushing enough. And I'm like, you're all going to dislocate your shoulders. And your SI joint's going to start screaming at you. And then Mama Liz is going to be mad at all of us. So please. Please, everybody, just stop trying to do this. My SI joint is already garbage. Um, (laughs) Please stop. So I guess I should not ever try to do that. But see, the thing is, is like when a trend starts, I'll sit and like watch it, watch it, watch it. And then I finally get the balls to do it. And then it's not a trend anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm a little late on that one. Once one fortress does it, we all go. (laughs) Right. Like fishnets. That's how it happened with fishnets. I love the fishnets. Me and Grace did the fishnets at Halloween. I, like, if I wore the fishnets to a gym around here, I'm really concerned about what it, like, what kind of chaoticness it would cause. But I have no problem, like, going to a gym I don't know anybody at and being like, hey, look at me and my shorty shows and my fishnets. You like it? Hey. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Carolyn, why don't you take a couple minutes and introduce yourself to the Deadlift? Yeah, Deadlifts. I started to say a different podcast name because I was listening to a podcast while I was waiting for you. To the Deadlifts and Daddy Issues listening base. Yes, I am so excited to be here. Thanks for allowing me to crash. Uh, my name is Carolyn Jones. I currently live in Kansas. Um, I've been with Liz uh, since like. April of 2020. I feel like there's a ton of us who got joined the Fortress around that time. Yeah, I think I was 2021. Yeah. So, um, it's been a ride. I love it. I'm obsessed. I love that you started this podcast. I listen. I haven't caught in last week's episode, but you're the Girl. only podcast I listen to right now. So, I was never a podcast listener. And then um, Call Her Daddy came out. I discovered Call Her Daddy. Okay. And shout out to her because I love that podcast is everything. Like, it just helps me embrace this, like, crazy wild side of me. Um, But I was like, you know, what if we did, like, a powerlifting twist on that? Like, what if, what if that was a thing? And so here we are. Where's, where's fucking going for it? I love it. I think I, I think last week I hit 5,000 streams. Oh, shit. That's exciting. You're like um, doing it, doing it. I'm man, I'm trying. Like I dark I try not to um look at my analytics too much because then I get in my head about things like when a oh, certain yeah. episode doesn't do as well as another one does. Or yeah. like if I log on the first day that it's released and like five hundred people haven't listened to it, I'm immediately offended. <laughs> so I like personally <laughs> I like banned myself from looking at my analytics. And then I clicked on them um, yesterday because I was, like, making the rough draft of the description for this episode. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll go look. And I did. And I was like, oh, that's Ooh. awesome. Props to you. I love I love when people are willing to just, like, take the leap and go for it. I think it's something sometimes in my life I'll do, but other parts of my life I, like, will not. So I did that today and I went and got a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Tattoos make everything better. You can't leave me unsupervised. (laughs) Okay, so I pulled up our messages, and there's, like, so much that we could talk about. 
I, um, I'm just gonna kind of just, if you don't mind. Uh, no, no, no. This is your floor. Like, this is my podcast, but like, my guests get to do whatever the fuck they want. So if you have a plan in your head, by all means, please, God, go for it because I don't. Okay. I have a little bit of a plan. I mean, um, true to the de- deadlift portion and powerlifting portion of this, I was gonna just start with my story. Oh. So, well, let her win. Um, yeah. So, I've been, so as we've kind of hit on, uh, as a yogi, um, I started doing yoga in 2014, fell in love with it immediately. Um, it was, it was one of the first times I just felt good after doing something. It wasn't to get smaller or skinnier or to lose weight. I just felt better after class. And, um, I, so I just kept going and then got really involved with the studio I was at, made a lot of amazing friends there. Um, and then I got certified to teach yoga in 2018. Still a huge passion area for me that I don't do enough of. Um, but like this last year I moved, um, and I didn't teach for a while. And then when I got to teach again, I was like, I couldn't believe how much my cup was filled. I was like, holy shit. I love to teach. I don't even know if I realize how much I love to teach yoga. So um, it's just like a good feeling to help other people feel good. So, yeah, absolutely. You could totally do yoga. I know you said you don't. And you're like, I have these. I need to. You. you could do it. I need to like come out to Kansas for a weekend and like you just like yogi me. Because in my my physical therapist, when I have to go for my hip, he's like, you should really stretch more and like get into yoga. And I'm like, you're telling me I know. <laughs> I just haven't. Yes. Um, but yeah, I I totally I need to. It would benefit me a lot. I did I did it when I was doing bikini shows. I did it for like a solid like eight months, mm-hmm. and it was great. I had no hip issues, like because my legs are really long compared to the rest of my body. Mm-hmm. And so they're on me all the time about, like, you need to be stretching. Like, sorry, sweetie, but you're disproportionate. Like, you need to figure that out. And I just... I have a yoga mat and blocks and one of those straps that you can, like, put on your feet. Uh-huh. Yes. Do I do it? Yeah. <laughs> I should start, like, a yoga online fortress. You should. That would be so fun. It would work so well, too, especially with, like, fortress. Like, we're all over the place. We have a Discord. We might as well just... Just start live streaming yoga classes live stream yoga absolutely that'd be awesome i've taught i love teaching athletes yoga um my favorite like i love teaching the dudes who are like super power lifting guys or lifting guys with zero shoulder mobility and they're always like they can't raise their hands above their head like they're my favorite people to teach yoga to and i just give them shit the whole time and like i I would too (laughs) yeah um so i so i knew someone um, at the yoga studio who knew someone who was opening a gym and I was really athletic growing up. I was in sports. I remember lifting in high school and always liking it, but they didn't have like a developed girls lifting program. Like we lifted for our sports, but like it didn't matter what you did. No one gave a shit. Um, and so I joined the gym when it opened and it was more of a functional fitness, AKA CrossFit shit. Um, and then the coach there started calling me a cherry picker. I actually have a cherry picker shirt. Sometimes you might see me wear sometimes, um, because I would always look at the, they would post the workouts the night before. And if it was conditioning, I almost guaranteed didn't go. And if it was anything in the realm of lifting, I was there. Like if it was a deadlift day or even like some Olympic lifts, I was, I was at that day. I did not miss the gym that day. So he was giving me a hard time and called me a cherry picker. 
Um, and then after being there for about a year, I even like jumped fully into Olympic weightlifting. I was like trying to do that thing. I competed once. Um, I hated snatch. I loved to clean, but I could not snatch for the life of me. Um, and then I was just at the gym doing, doing my Olympic lifts one uh, morning. And a guy who just does like the open gym, does his own thing there, saw me and he walked up to me and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, lifting. And he was like, what are you doing this Ollie shit for? Like, you should be a deadlifter. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Is this a compliment? Am I offended? <laughs> Where are you going with this dude? And he's like, you should be a powerlifter. And I don't even know if I knew the difference then. And I was like, okay. And he goes, there's a meet in January. Would you do it? And I was like, sure, if you coach me, I'll do it. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I thought I was going to have to, like, talk you into it. And you're you're really for real. And I was like, if you will coach me powerlifting, I will do it. And then that next Monday, we literally started powerlifting together. And we squat, bench, and deadlift constantly. Um, I learned a ton from him. And I was with him for two years um and, and uh he was kind of facing out of powerlifting and i was moving to where i live now about an hour away um and i actually so when i was lifting with him it was the rookie mistake where you do a meet and you immediately go into your next meet and then you immediately go into your next meet like that's all i did meet next meet next meet like about every five six months i was competing um, so then when I moved, I reached out to Liz and I was like, Hey, and I thought she lived in Kansas city cause I had seen her at meets. I knew who she was. She had no idea who I was. Uh, and I was like, Hey, I'll be, um, and closer to Kansas city. I'm not quite in Kansas city. Like, are you taking athletes or can you refer me to anyone? Um, and me and her started talking and then pretty quickly, obviously it like, how do you not love Liz immediately? Absolutely. Uh, so then I suddenly was a fortress athlete and I could tell like the difference immediately in the training. It was just so much more intense and intentional and um, mapped out and like the numbers were way more like there. And, and actually the, the last meet I did right before I hired Liz was the worst meet of my life. Like I did not hit anything I wanted to. I was exhausted. Like it was just a bad meet. Um, so I kind of was coming off of that, feeling a little lost, um, and she was just amazing and helped me find confidence and did everything that Liz does. Um, and then after just being with her for about a month, my father-in-law passed away really unexpectedly. Um, and then we just kind of had this year of hell that we are literally like just getting out of. Um, so... He passed away unexpectedly. That was really hard. And then we moved. And then I competed because I was already signed up for a meet, of course, when I hired Liz. And then I signed up for the um, Sunflower State Games. And it was my first meet with Liz. She wasn't there, but the first meet prep with her, the first everything. And she was like, my goal for you is just to have a good meet. I was like, I've done okay in squats every meet. I've only hit one bench every time in a meet. So, like, that is, like, my most stressful lift. And then I was like, I know I have bigger deadlifts in me. I just, like, haven't figured them out yet. But I know, like, it's there. Um, 
And I had a great meet. I went nine for nine. I've never done that. I PR'd in yeah. all three lifts. I was elated. Yeah. It was like the best feeling in the world. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm with Liz for the rest of my life. And also, of course, when I did that meet, I was already signed up for the Built Strong meet that was last year. Um, and that's yeah. the one you competed in, right? Or were you in the other one? No, I was in, I did only the Strong, only the strong. last year. Okay. <laughs> um, so after that meet, like I felt great and then I was trying to go right into another meet prep for Built Strong and I crashed so horrifically like it was this weird moment where I suddenly didn't know how I felt about lifting I remember talking to my husband about it and he's like you love powerlifting more than I've ever seen you love anything ever and me and him have been together a long time he's like do not quit this. And I was like, I don't want to quit. I'm just like mentally, like it's not there. I don't want to lift heavy. My body is not like refusing to do it. I'm not motivated to go to the gym. I used to never miss a gym day. Um, and I talked to Liz and she was like, have you ever had an off season? And I was like, what the hell is an off season? <laughs> like, yeah. You just, you go to a meet and then you train again and then you go to a meet and then you train again. And she's like, you're getting an off season. You're not doing belt strong. We're going to clean up all your lifts and you're getting an off season. Um, it was exactly what I needed. I needed to not be thinking about the weight on the bar uh, and just think about moving and feeling, getting my lifts to feel good. Um, so we did that. We stepped way back and it was awesome because I felt like it slingshotted me forward. Like my lifts were, my form was improving like crazy. And I could visually compare videos from a year ago to now and you can see how different it is. I love that feeling. Um, and then you just feel like so dumb by how proud you were a year ago. That right, right. Do it. That's like the great thing about growth. Um, and then uh, my form was skyrocketing. I was feeling great. I was like falling in love with it all over again. I was getting settled in my new city, my new job, all of it. Um, and then uh, more great news at the time. We found out the week of Thanksgiving that we were pregnant. And we were elated. Um, told, Liz was the second person I think I told. Because I was like, I've never been pregnant before. I know I can still lift, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm doing now. Um, right. And I was excited. And I think a little bit like, damn, but damn, my lifts are skyrocketing. And now that right. but we've been trying to get pregnant. So um, we were really excited. Um, and then I... Uh, Kind of knew really early on something was wrong. Um, and it was incredibly frustrating because I couldn't get the doctor's office I was working with to listen to me. Um, I think they just are like, this is your first pregnancy. You don't know what to expect. Like, you don't know. And I'm right. just, but my gut is telling me something is wrong. And then um, I feel like I need to throw in like a disclaimer here. Like, <laughs> oh, I'll always throw one in. <laughs> Bar where the show's gonna get a little sad or dark or whatever. Um, and so then I was just like frustrated and even like trying to like when you get pregnant, they draw your blood constantly. And I used to donate blood all the time, like needles don't bother me. I got tattoos, um, and they could not hit my veins for the life of me. So then both my elbow creases were just bruised to shit. Um, one of the times I went in, they were like, were you just in the hospital for something? And I was like, no, I've been here. Your staff is incapable of drawing my blood. And then they literally missed three times that one. 
And I was just like, this is awful. And so they wouldn't listen to me when I told them something wasn't right. And then I had some bleeding, but it wasn't enough that it was a miscarriage. But I was like, I don't know what this is. Um, It actually sucked because I really wanted to surprise my family. People didn't know we were trying. My husband and I had been together for seven years. We've been married for seven years together for I don't know, since 2009, how many years ago was that now? Forever? Um, I don't know, I can't do math. Yeah, (laughs) a long time. time. (laughs) Over 10 years. Yeah. Um, And so we've just, like, never been in a rush to have kids. Like, you know, like, we're living our life together, loving it. We're happy. Like, well, it's it's only the joke. It's on the to-do list. Having kids on the to-do list. Um, And so, unfortunately, it was... I ended up calling my mom and I just was, I was like sobbing on the phone and she was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? So that's how I had to tell her I was pregnant. Not how you want to tell your mom you're pregnant. Um, And she, I know I'd had some miscarriages. So she um, was kind of like asking me all these questions. I was like, no, no, no. She's like, I don't think you're miscarrying. I don't know what's going on. And I had called my my doctor's office like five times that day, literally in tears and being like, I need somebody to call me back. And they never called me back. So um, then I think that was a, no, it wasn't a Friday. Um, And then the following week or the following day, I immediately called the other hospital in town and I was like, I'm pregnant. Something's wrong. No one will listen to me. I need a new doctor and I need someone who will like hear what I have to say. So I told them everything that was going on, and they immediately were like, yes, it doesn't sound like things are okay. Um, Your HCG hormone is what they test when you're pregnant. So when you pee on a stick, that's what it's testing. When they're taking your blood, that's constantly what they're testing. Um, And my levels weren't, they're supposed to like double and like rise like crazy in the beginning, and mine were not. They were rising, but not at the rate they were supposed to be. Um, so finally this new doctor's office was listening to me and they were like, we're going to get you scheduled for an early ultrasound. Um, and in the middle of all this, my husband's graduating with his PhD. So I'm trying to like, when he, and that was a, I always make the joke that it was his five year program that took eight years. Um, so, um, so I'm trying to like, he knows all this is going on, but we've worked so hard for him to have his PhD and I wanted him to have that day and I wanted him to have that moment. So I just, I literally moved the appointment because I was like, this is important, but this is also important. And I'm not, I don't regret doing that for him. But um, so we had the ultrasound on a Monday and I knew I started crying before the woman told me what was wrong because it was taking her way too long. Like, you know, there was nothing on the screen. Not that I know how to read one of those, but I was like, right. This is taking too long. And she gently then put her hand on my knee and was like, you have a positive pregnancy test, but your uterus is empty. So she's like, likely means it's ectopic. There's not, there's not a baby in there. And she's like, I have to go get a doctor. So I've told this story a million times. I didn't think I'd get emotional. So um, we immediately just broke down. Um, and doctor came in and kind of explained to you what's going on, but you're not in a headspace to hear any of that. Right. Um, but immediately I wanted it to take care of it. Like, um, I wanted to make sure I was okay. Like I knew it wasn't viable. 
I understood what an ectopic was because I know people have had them. Um, the biggest pet peeve of mine is that people call them rare and they're not rare. They're not rare yeah. at all. Um, I think they're under discussed and not talked about enough. And I have women often hide things because there's a taboo that like you're not supposed to tell anyone until you're 12 weeks and you're not supposed to do this and then why so you can suffer silently if you lose the baby like that's right right like we don't talk about any of this stuff so i've been pretty open and honest about it right away um it also just helped me process it um and it was so I got a shot of methotrexate, which mm -hmm. is a drug they actually use, um, I think, for autoimmune disorders, and then also yeah, I've taken methotrexate quite a. Uh, I've been on it th two, th three, two or three times in the last yeah. four years. Yeah, and then they also use it in cancer patient as well because it can help. Like essentially, the um, cells that were in my tube, they were trying to get to dissolve. Right. Um, I guess usually it's a pretty effective treatment for ectopics. So that was a Monday. They then test your blood very consistently on very specific days to watch your HCG levels again to make sure they're dropping this time. And are they I sticking you like every time like they're not giving you like a IV or like a port or anything like they were just sticking you every time you went in? Yep. Ugh, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah. I hate blood tests, man. Like I have to have them all the time to watch my um, like my ANA levels and to watch my RH factor and stuff. And I freak out every, I mean, I have tattoos, I have piercings, like the whole nine, but still like you're sticking a needle in my skin. Ooh. Yeah. And apparently I have deep veins, but like, Ooh, other people have no problems with it. Like I said, I used to donate blood all the time. I usually almost live maybe once or twice missed. And then that one place missed every time. I don't know what their problem was. And then he, every everything I did after I left that place, no one's ever missed. Huh. They always like to tell me how deep they are. And I'm just like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I've been this a couple of times. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, you just get pricked a shit ton when you're pregnant, whether it's going well or not well. Right. Um. So my HCG levels didn't drop enough. So then the following week, I had to get another round of methotrexate, um, and so that following Monday was the Monday of the week of Christmas. So got my other round, um, like confirmed with the doctor that it was safe for me to go up to Iowa, that's where I'm from, I was going to go spend Christmas with my family. They were like, you should be fine, like the only thing you need to keep into consideration is like, you have to find a hospital. Should the worst case scenario happen, you should be aware of where your hospitals are, which is like a really terrifying thought. When Absolutely, yeah. Trying to just go home for the holidays. Um, yeah. We made up to Iowa. It was actually a horrible drive because even though it's an ectopic pregnancy, your body's still trying to prep your body for pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, this is probably TMI, but like. No, go for it asked something on that drive i had the worst cramps of my life we stopped at a walgreens i went to the bathroom there was something big and gross in my like underwear and i was like what the fuck is happening because we don't learn about our bodies we don't learn about pregnancy we don't learn about anything because it's taboo and it just it just pisses me the fuck off how like little we're educated on what happens and how things work and what your body can do so right. yeah so that was terrifying 
hurt like it was the worst fucking cramps of my life um made it up to iowa was exhausted like whatever um and then you know we're there a few days uh it was christmas eve we had just had christmas eve dinner we were sitting at the table and suddenly i was just like i do not feel well like and i was like i'm just gonna go lay down i curled up in a ball on the couch and i started to cry and as soon as i did that i remember a nurse telling me if you're ever curled up in a ball crying you need to go to the er immediately and i was like oh shit like it like hit me that something really bad could be happening right now. And of course it's Christmas Eve. Right. Um, so I, and then I, so I went downstairs because I just wanted to get away kind of from my family was around and I didn't know what was going on and I'm trying to process shit. And, um, and then I suddenly like really felt like I had to go to the bathroom, like one and two. Uh, yeah. so I, I tried to go to the bathroom, but like it wasn't. Like nothing was happening and I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um I also grew up I feel like a lot of people grew up this way where like you don't go to the hospital. Right, know? yeah. It's like it's too expensive, don't go, sleep it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's worse in a few days and then we'll go, right? Like Well my mom's a my mom's a nurse. And so like when she before she even really made the decision to like go to nursing school, like she was like studying medicine even though she wasn't really in school for it like if that makes sense and so like we didn't go to the er for shit like i broke my arm and dislocated my shoulder playing basketball and my mom was like having me walk around walmart like "Mm, it's probably fine like you're probably just being dramatic like it's probably not that bad exactly yeah i did yeah so I was, like, really struggling to go to the hospital, which is so stupid. Right. Considering the context of my situation. Right. Um, and thankfully, I have, I love my husband. He's the best thing ever. And he was like, I don't care if they tell you everything is perfectly fine. We're going. And yeah. I was like, okay, let me get shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, within a minute, I think we were out of the house. Um, and my parents live in the country, so, like, it's, like, a 15, 20-minute drive to get to the hospital, and it, like, didn't go, like, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. I was, like, hunched over in the car driving there, um, get to the hospital, like, and unless you pull up in an ambulance, they still make you do all the intake stuff, mm-hmm. right? And you're, like, trying so hard to be patient because you're, like, it's not this guy's fault that he has to ask me all these questions. Right. But holy shit, something is wrong. Yeah. Um, so I told him that I had an ectopic and everything. And then once I said that, I felt like the urgency kicked in a little. Um, I got back to, like, first-round nurse. I don't know how hospitals work at all. Um, and told them right away. And they immediately admitted me to the ER. Took my vitals. They suspected internal bleeding right away, um, especially because, you know how doctors like push on your stomach and they're like, do you feel any pain here and here? And a majority of the time you're like, no, I'm fine. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, please quit touching me. Like, get your fucking hands off me. That right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I mean, everything just took a little longer anyway because it's Christmas Eve. And right. it's after 7 p.m. And so everyone... And I kept apologizing. They kept telling me to stop at the hospital. But every time someone had to come in after from being on call, I was like, I'm so sorry. It's Christmas Eve and you had to come. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry if you're with your family. Like, yeah. I And they're like, you're internally bleeding. Stop apologizing. That's what we're here for. Yeah. 
<laughs> so um, I got basically another ultrasound done and they could see all the fluid um, and then I immediately was like they called the whole OR team um, and I got put in a room um, as soon as they gave me the more drugs I just kept throwing up um, so I felt so bad apparently I was just like my body did not like the pain meds they were killing, giving me yeah. um, and so then I even remember right before I went into surgery, I like, they like got me out of this bed there and they put me in the wheelchair. I also just kept getting nauseous yeah. on the wheelchairs. Like they know where they're going. They're not messing around. And I just yeah. was like, can you slow down? Please? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember they sat me up, got me in the wheelchair and I was trying to say like, goodbye to my husband. I love you. Like, it's going to be okay. And I just was like, I love you. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Oh, you poor thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Threw up again trying to say, like, goodbye. Oh. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I felt awful. Um, so, well, you, then you, when you're the one doing the surgery, you don't know. They drug you. You're gone. Yeah, and you're gone. I'm like, whatever. Next thing I know, I'm back in the room I was in before. Thankfully, everything was successful. Um, and they were able to do it. Uh, no, I can't think of the word. Lepar laparoscopically? Laparoscopically, yeah. Um, so I do have a few little scars, but that's nothing major. Um, they took out my right tube. Um, my right ovary is still there, though. Um, and then it was funny when I got out, the incisions were on my left side. And for a second, I was like, I oh, God, I hope they took out the right one. <laughs> oh, my God. Something I would do that would be like, this is all on the left side, and they were supposed to take out my right. What is going on? I I've been paranoid. <laughs> so then, when the doctor and I'm drugged up, right? So I don't, I'm right. not this big, serious things has happened, and I'm still like not fully aware of what's all going on. Um, and so, like, it's really, I mean, modern medicine is amazing, and they take pictures of my your insides and they like. Yeah. We're like, here's your uterus. This is your internal bleeding. This is where the ectopic was. We can see both your ovaries. Your ovaries look healthy. Like, it was really cool to. Usually, I'm kind of like squirmy and gross about blood stuff, but like when it's right, yeah, I thought I was like, whoa, right. Um, but so, and it just helped me. Like, it, the honestly, the pictures really, really, really helped me wrap my head around everything that just happened. Because when you're pregnant and when you're just a few weeks pregnant, like you don't. You might have symptoms, but you can't, like, see the baby. You can't really feel the baby. Like, right. Like, and when I saw the ectopic, it, like, it hit me. It made it better and harder. Right, but yeah. It made it super real. Um, it was, like, also kind of validating. I don't know, like, the emotion it is and how heavy it is. Like, it gave me something, like, look, it's tangible. It's right there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, as you're trying to process through like what the fuck just happened and how yeah. elated and excited we were to like immediately just like devastated and heartbroken and feeling lost and alone and that's when i was just like i am talking about this because this is horseshit that women are told not to tell anyone when they're pregnant and then they miss miscarriages are incredibly common yeah happen i know like or five people who have had ectopics like and then um when i was really open about my story on instagram 
um, the amount of people I knew who I like went to college with or, you know, just like acquaintances you've had through life, like DM'd me and told me like their story. And I am just like, it's so unbelievably common to have all these medical concerns or whatever through pregnancy and right. And everyone just like acts like it's super rare. And I'm like, this is infuriating. And then, I mean, don't get me started on the courts right now and everything. So, like, yeah, right. I'm not trying to be political, but yeah, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> I keep saying it. I just, I'm just, I just, I don't know. I can't imagine not being able to get the medication I needed. I can't imagine having to get multiple doctor's approval. I already couldn't get people to listen to me. And I am just like, uh, hello, we're people too. I'm a human being. I'm a whole life. I also need say, like. Right, yeah. And I just, I just get so scared for the domino effect that could happen. And Absolutely. I just, ugh. So I won't, I won't jump too far into that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, then it's just been like a really long, it feels like a long recovery since all of that. Um, both emotionally, mentally, physically rebuilding my powerlifting. Like Liz has been like, I've kept her updated through this and I don't, I feel like I've talked about Liz so much in this and I didn't, but she's. Oh, I talk about her all the time. And it's like, that woman is just the most amazing. Like the thing is. Here's the way that I feel about it is that it's very, very hard to find like real and genuine and personal, personable people. And the further that we get into like my generation and the generation that's underneath me, like that becomes even harder and harder because they have things like, I mean, we like I had Instagram, but like now there's TikTok and like all these other apps that I've never even heard of that mm -hmm. like younger people and not that. I mean, I'm 25, but like that my 19 year old sister is using that I've never heard of in my life she mentions this dating app we were together today and she mentions this dating app and i was like what the fuck is that like this is literally shit i've never heard of but it's when you can create this person that technically doesn't exist you can be whoever you want on the internet it's really really hard to find these genuine and like meaningful people that still want meaningful relationships and friendships and like when i say relationships i cover all of that but like yeah yeah and so you find someone like Liz who, and, and the for, like Fortress in general, who like, these are the real people. Like this is their real life. They're not faking it. They, they are here to be, cause I feel like in general, we have a lot of like our, our team is an open book. They don't oh, yeah. mind to share their story. They don't mind to be open and honest about who they are. So, but we all got that because we met Liz. We have yes. Liz. So it's easy to talk about someone who you know you can trust, you know that's real, you know that's truthful, you know that is really truthfully standing in your corner. Like, I talk about her all the time. I'm pretty sure people think I'm, like, weirdly obsessed with her, but, I mean, maybe I am, but it's, like, it's fine. That's, like, part of being a cult, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're weirdly obsessed with our leader and we do whatever she tells us to do. Like, that's just how it goes. Don't question yeah. it. Just let us do it. <laughs> she makes it, yes, because she makes us, like, but like exactly like we are all so authentic because she has done nothing but help us all realize how great we are and right. like quit hating on all that other shit about you like look at how awesome you are like she taught she taught all of us to love ourselves like 
I so this was this is what powerlifting has done for me, and then Liz just took it like a kajillion steps further. But right. Okay. I follow. When people ask me like, why do I love powerlifting? My answer is always, it is the first time I found a world that fits me, and not one that I have to fit into. That is so like I just got goosebumps all over my whole body. That yes. Yeah. Like I don't have to be. I've always been like I'm a broad girl i got these thick ass legs like i'm sorry i didn't earn these i was born with these okay right. like <laughs> i've earned them now too maybe a little but like these right. ladies have been with me since birth like these chunk and thighs i still got them um and so i just remember like growing up always like trying to be thinner and hating so like ha- hating so much about myself physically and like i did not like this is going to be hard to believe if you see my Instagram now. Uh, in twenty Before 2019, I did not wear shorts. I hear that so much from people. I would wear basketball shorts, you know, but I didn't have any, like, casual pair of shorts that you would just wear whatever in the summer. I wore jeans all summer long. I didn't lift. I lifted in leggings. Like, I was not caught dead in shorts. And then when I started powerlifting and I was in this world that fits me, where they're not telling me to be less, they're not telling me to be smaller, they're not telling me to be quieter, they're telling me to, you know, powerlifting wants you to take up the space, like, use your thighs, use these yeah, beautiful, beefy, thick thighs that you were born with and fucking deadlift the shit out of that bar, spot the shit out of that bar, like, yeah. and it was like, just so empowering and the first time I was like this is my fucking world this is where I am supposed to be and then Liz just like makes takes that and then goes a million more steps forward and just helps you like and so and then her compassion is just like she said so many things she probably doesn't even realize it when I was going through all that that was just like that helped me get through like And now I'm blanking in the moment because I'm trying to be on the spot. That I'm like, yeah, no, that's how it always goes. Like, I was feeling, I got super, super depressed. I got super down. I didn't touch a barbell for three months. Like, you lose so much of your strength in that. Like, I think all of us are maybe, I know I lost a little bit of my identity. Like, I know yeah. we're more than just powerlifters, but it's a very big part of who I am. And it, like, yeah, and it was my, my lifting has always been, like, my mental health, like, Iron therapy is real for me. Like, yeah, I'm here. And I didn't, and so I was going through the hardest thing in my life, and I didn't have my iron therapy. I couldn't touch a barbell. I couldn't squat. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, except for I was told, like, go on walks. And then it's winter. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the time of the year to be going out for long, leisurely strolls. So, right. but yeah. Um, so Liz just helped me get through it so much. My husband was amazing. Um, my, my boss also just like giving me some time and space as I navigated that at work was amazing. Um, and you just gotta like, I don't know, it's okay to lean on people, you know, I feel like there's that pride of like, you figure it out on your own, you got to do it on your own. And it's like, that's the biggest bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Like, everyone's got somebody in their corner who they're talking with. And even if like, I've heard you talk about your sister before, like, parents, like, somebody's there, like, most of the time, I know that's not maybe, but, like, you know, and that sport, support, and talking through is so meaningful, so, so then I've been on this, like, journey, if you will, of 
mental, emotional, physical recovery and yeah. then rebuilding my lifting. Um, Which has been like from someone on, and like, this is the, I, I knew that you had had an eptopic pregnancy and I knew that, um, that it had been rough, but I didn't know the details like I do now, but to watch you like recover, especially the last couple months, like I've just been in awe of like, like, yes, we fall down and sometimes we scrape our knees a little bit harder than others, but you're still like, you've still gotten up and you're still like, you're still doing the damn thing. Like, and to watch, like, I still remember the first post that you posted about the first time that you got to touch a barbell again. And that's windy. It's but like the thing is is like it's it's because I've gone through um I've like transition jobs and um it's been the most stressful thing I think I've ever <laughs> experienced and there's a lot going on with it and last week was like the longest hardest week as far as that job went ever and I like again like didn't want to touch a barbell like all I want to do is sleep. I don't have the motivation to clean my house. I don't have the motivation to go to the gym, which is not like me. Like, yeah, ADHD gets bad, and I don't want to do certain things. But I always, I always want to go lift. Like that's that's my safe place almost. And <laughs> I barely went to the gym last week. Um, but I'm- at the end of you know whatever it is, to watch you have gone from you know, you weren't physically weren't allowed to do those things because you needed to heal. But like, okay, now I'm touching a barbell. Okay. Now I'm putting a little bit of weight on here. Okay. Now I'm putting a little bit more weight on here. Okay. Now I've got, I've got a a serious amount of like, it's the coolest. It's been the coolest thing as someone on the outside to watch. I appreciate that. I didn't know the details, but like still to watch you like, yeah. Climb back up from where you've been (laughs) has been the coolest thing. Yeah. And I still have a long way to go. Um, Kind of like like lifting has been inconsistent since it all, and there's a lot of layers into that. Um, I have to be on call for my job, and sometimes I'm up super late, and I'm a morning lifter, and then it's like, if I get home at midnight, I'm probably not going to the gym at 5.30 mm-hmm. that next day, and that sucks. So then I'm like, my schedule gets completely thrown. Um, but yeah, it's been about a house recently. There was like a week or two where I like was barely at the gym. I, I feel like, I know I'm not. I'm probably a little, but I like to drive Liz crazy because I'm like, I'm going to do it next week. And then something else happens. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like the worst athlete ever. And No, bro, that's not me. Don't, don't even. She's so just, I, I keep, I don't mean to keep going back over, but she's just amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And people just, I don't know. People just kept telling me like, you're so strong. You're so strong. And I appreciated the sentiment, but I was like, when I was in the really dark, bad days, I was like, I'm so fucking sick of being strong. Like, Girl, I've been there. Like, cry and sulk and be depressed and like figure out how I'm supposed to move forward and then and lifting like when you can't touch a barbell you're like all I want to do is touch a barbell and then you do and then everything's like really hard to do and the numbers are like like I remember for squat like two 225 after 225 I had two plates on the bar I'd be like okay now this is like serious squatting and I would work my way up to like 275 like my max squats 303 right now and I know I have more and I was that's why I was so pumped about that off season and my form skyrocketing I was like I'm finally gonna get that hit that squat I know I can hit and then all this shit has happened so I'm like someday I'm gonna hit that squat or yeah. I can get the big ass thighs in this ass that I have and I'm gonna hit it but I just gotta get through all this life shit first um and so I uh 
it's still like 225 feels hard and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like i didn't even think about two. like i used to like i would be like not i used to not put my lifters on until it got like heavy enough i don't know why that was a thing or i wouldn't pull my knee sleeves up like i didn't wear my gear until i got to 225 and then i'd be like i should probably put my gear on and then I, and then and now i'm like still struggling to hit 225 and it just it sucks and my i have i feel actually feel like i haven't deadlifted in a minute sorry um <laughs> so i don't know where that is and then i put a ton of energy though into my bench like i've always struggled with bench same I'm so envious of all these badass fortress athletes we have who can just bench way over 200 pounds or more and i'm like yeah girl, same. how are you getting a 200 so like <laughs> i'm like how are you guys getting any more than like 145 i was stuck at 135 for the longest time i yeah. couldn't and then after indy when i finally started to like recover from back-to-back meat preps like an idiot but then being flared up yeah. i hit 140 and it was like the biggest monumental thing for me i was like <laughs> I get 140 pounds and I'll still be like, yeah, my bench is like 140. And then, you know, you've got Liz that's doing like two something off of blocks. And I'm like, okay, actually, you know what? Don't worry. Um, <laughs> fuck you for that. I was excited about my 140. Why you got to be stronger than me. But we were, so me and her were talking the other day and my deadlift has just been insane, which was funny because I got injured and my deadlift went phew. Like, mm-hmm. my max went from being 315 to I couldn't do more than 250 for reps. And so now that it's come back up, she's like, well, it's because, you know, you've got long legs to, like, pu- you know, really, like, push with or whatever. And, um, oh, it was not my legs. It was my arms. Something about, I guess, having long arms as a leverage when you deadlift. I don't understand the science, but that's what she was saying. And she goes, but I got short arms, so I'll always bench better than you. And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I gotta hit it where it hurts so bad. My bitch fucking sucks. You watch out, Liz. You started lifting. You, you started lifting younger than she was, so she better watch it. The day, <laughs> listen. The day, if it ever comes, because my bitch is absolute fucking. The form is beautiful. I'm just not strong in my upper body. I think yes. I can do like five whole pull-ups by myself now, and I'm just like, actually, everybody bow the fuck down because <laughs> I can do five pull-ups. Um. I but can't pull today, I don't like to do them by myself either. It'll be like three by, you know, like it'll be like pull ups, three by max. And I'm like, you realize that's like two, right? Like, oh, I I'm laugh when do- I see that. I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm putting a band on there because I'm not just going to sit here and struggle through two fucking pull ups just to, no, I always, I still do banded unless it specifically says that I can't. Um, but the day, if it ever comes, it may not, but the day that I can bench more than my coach, Will be the day that I have made it. I don't care <laughs> There's if I sign a five million dollar contract with Spotify someday for my <laughs> podcast. Care if like I don't. I will have made it if I if I can ever bench more than my coach does. <laughs> That's the goal. Nothing else matters. <laughs> I don't care about. I don't care. I mean, she's. I mean, she obviously has me beat like across the board. I don't care if I ever deadlift more than she does. I don't care if I ever squat more than she does. The day that I bench more than her, I'll be like, hey, remember that time you said you'd always bench more than me? Gotcha. I don't think that day may not ever come, but I dream about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I'm gonna I'm get a phone call after she listens to this. <laughs> She'd be like, listen, mm-hmm. fuck you. 
<laughs> it's a friendly oh, competition. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm I'm like front row seats to that. I want to watch that. <laughs> you just like me and Liz are just gonna go live on Instagram one day when I'm oh, real yeah. strong. Not right now. Not anytime soon. Maybe That's like six <laughs> years from now. And it's gonna be us like benching, like a bench war. Anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> well, it's funny because we look so much alike, especially when her hair is dark. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like copy I've paste. Seen the pictures. Yeah, it's a little bit terrifying. Um, and like the more that I'm with her, the more that I look like her. Like I started to wear fake eyelashes, and like I'm eventually gonna start getting Botox because you know <laughs> I got enough lines in my forehead. I hear you talk about that on your podcast, and I like. Look at you! No, I literally like watch your Insta, and I'm like, the fuck is this girl talking about? Let me just tell you right now, and I am (laughs) not ashamed to admit this. If it is a close-up picture of my face, you best fucking believe I smoothed out my forehead lines. (laughs) I don't care. Anybody can come out. I have look. Okay, so me and Carolyn, (laughs) we're video chatting also right now. You can see them on my shitty ass MacBook camera. They're like. (laughs) You could swim in these things. No, you can't. Oh my yes, gosh. You can. Like, is there, listen, when you, yeah, when everyone lifts their eyebrows up, their forehead wrinkle. That's called being a human being. No, but when even when I don't, even when I smudge my eyebrow, hang on. Time out the podcast, I smudge my eyebrow. Um, even when I don't, even when my face is just straight, you could still swim in them. Oh, what? Uh-uh. No, but it's because. So, my generation, okay, my stupid generation got iPhones as teenagers. And so all of our pictures as like teenagers, and my mom used to make fun of me for this. I'd be like, no, it's not, mom. I just talk expressively, which I really do. That's not a lie. Yeah. But it's because we always posed like, so now all of us, we all got these fucking forehead wrinkles. Mm-mm. Merry Christmas to me. I'm getting myself some Botox up in there. Do you? Mm-mm. No more, no more, um, freaking Nile River up in my forehead. We done with that. I just have like, people, I'm a, I have an expressive face too. Like people are always like, you didn't have to say anything for us to know what you were thinking. And I'm like, my bad. Like, and then I have these, like, I have like indents. I feel like on my forehead, I'm not in the right lighting, but like. I swear they make me look angry and people will be like, why are you mad? Why are you glaring? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm just existing right now. Like, <laughs> I, um, I usually, I talk very expressively. Like when I'm in a conversation, my eyebrows are raised. I'm, I'm into it. So when I'm not, like if I'm just at the gym, like doing my thing or whatever, I'm usually like, am I resting bitch? Like people think I have the world's worst resting bitch face because oh, I'm yeah. not like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm just like in my own zone, you know. Like, RIP to smiling. That's not a thing. Uh, listen, especially like so, training that I noticed differently with like Liz compared to like online programs was the amount of accessories that we do. Oh yeah, ain't nobody smiling when you've already done deadlifts. Okay, so like <laughs> my block right now. Let's just talk about this. I do front squats before I even fucking deadlift. And I guess she thinks I'm he woman because my front squat sucks. So she's got me front squatting like 150 pounds. I'm like, excuse you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Who do you think I am? And when I get mad at her, like <laughs> looking at my programs and I'm mad about it, I call her Elizabeth. <laughs> so I got a front squat. Then you've got pause deadlifts. I actually think I have Boris deadlifts this week, which I'm excited about because I fucking love Boris deadlifts. I've thrown up doing those. I love them. 
Uh, I'd almost do up conventional deadlifting, though. Oh, no. It's the up and down but, motion. <laughs> but hang on. Let's just look real quick. Let's just... So everybody knows what I'm talking about. I got my phone right here. Okay. <clears throat> Loading. Okay. Let's just talk about my deadlift day, which I'm actually doing tomorrow because it's too late to go to the gym that I want to go to, um, to deadlift. Okay. So I have front squat ascending pauses. Okay. Thanks a lot, Elizabeth, for that. <laughs> then I have... Boris deadlifts for a two by three. Then I have sumo deadlifts. And so last block, I would have like a front squat, a deadlift variation, actual deadlift, some kind of other variation. And then I would have chained hip thrusts. And I was like, and then I still had accessories. I was like, Miss Girl, I'm out here dying. But I will say, I was looking, I was walking past my car today and I looked at my butt in the reflection. I was like, I love when that happens. Okay, so maybe I'm not, I'm mad about it when it happens, but, like, I'm not mad about it after. But, like, to go back to the original thought of this, ain't nobody smiling doing accessories after you've done five fucking variations in a main lift. Nope. No. We're not. No. We're tired, and we're hungry, and we still have three different accessories we have to do. <laughs> Fuck you. Yes. I think Liz. I'm still, I feel like I'm still in Liz's, like, beginner program. I see other people's programming. I'm like, I want to do cool shit like that. Like, you no, know, I gotta, you don't. I got to get my life shit That's together. Why. So I can get my lifting shit together. I'm pumped. I got, I got, you saw my post the other day. I had a plate back on my bench. And someone asked me, they're like, what's the significance of like benching a plate? And I just was like, fucking cool, okay? It makes us big girls, okay? It means I'm strong. I would say... I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say this because I'm going to fuck myself. I'm to the point where I could... Now, singles. Now, don't talk to me about doubles or triples. Fuck that. But I could go into the gym any day of the week and bench for a single a plate. Yeah. Finally, after a year and a half, plus of like two years, like not really powerlifting, but powerlifting, I can finally bench. I The first time I ever got a whole plate, I like shot up off the bench and I'm like, I am God. <laughs> <laughs> Bow down to me. I'm like, you know, mostly it's mostly, especially at Dreamality is 90% guys. So they're like benching two or three plates. And I'm like, no, actually, fuck you. I can bench a whole plate. I don't give a shit what you got on the bar right now. Look at me go. It is very important to be able to bench a whole plate. And it's very exciting when you get there. Fuck you. I got to where I was at least doing my, um, I still had a plate on with my drop sets and the other things. And that felt cool. And I then, hate you. Fuck you. Well, I can't now. Relax. It's okay. I can't <laughs> now. Just chill out. <laughs> I remember I was like so excited. I was like, I'm doing drop sets and there's still a plate on the bar. I can do more than one rep and there's still the plate on the bar. And then now it's all to shit. And I'm like, I did a plate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get excited every single and I have to like really get in my head when I put a plate on. I'll like I can hear Liz in, in the back of my head like, go make that bar your bitch. That bar <laughs> is your bitch. That weight, that is fucking child. I remember one time I was really nervous about lifting 325. Um, I think it was for was it for a double, maybe? I don't remember. But I was like, Liz, I'm fucking nervous. Like my hips have been hurting. And she was like, 325 is child's play for you. So like I don't know why that struck a nerve in my soul but so every single time i have to like touch weight that i'm nervous about I'm like this is fucking child's play i don't care if it says rpe 10 i'm like no this is fucking child's play for me and like it has worked like probably nine out of ten times so we're sticking with it 
I'll keep that in mind next time. Yeah, yeah and like, just like multiple times. You're like, this is fucking child. This is child's play. This, this ain't shit. You ain't this shit. This ain't shit. This bar ain't <laughs> shit. This weight ain't shit. Like, you gotta hype yourself. But on the outside, I'm like, I, like nobody I, can tell I'm hyping myself up. I'm just like. I make noises when I'm like lifting heavy and at a meet, I'll do this like. <laughs> yeah, no, I do too. Before I even have a bar, I'm touching a bar. It's like. I do the same thing. My mental get going. Like, let's. It's so, like, so it's like, it's really a thing. So, like, when you, so, like, I'll grab the bar and I'll, like, ha, like, real loud. But it, like, and I yeah. don't know the exact science behind it, but it puts your body into, okay, this is going to be heavy. We need more adrenaline. We yeah. need more, like, it's really a thing. Like, there's scientific shit to it that I don't know or don't know how to explain. But I actually watched, like, a 45-minute YouTube video on it. It's a legit thing. Because so, I used to do it all the time. So now I don't do it unless it's, like, 90% or higher. So then my body yeah. knows, like, okay, this is fucking go time. Like, this yeah. is the shit. I do it at meets like crazy. I'm, like, making Oh, yeah, I do, too. Noises. I apparently smack myself in the face. <laughs> I, think I, always I, was... say, I always say I'm not going to. And then I get up there, and I'm, like, <laughs> and then I'll go back and be, like, it hurts after you did them lifting. And I'm, like, why the fuck do I do that? I've never done that. No, uh, it's not. It's so. stupid, honestly. Like, <laughs> it doesn't speaking feel of, good. Speaking of, like, earning it back, like, that's another phrase people kept saying to me, like, you'll bounce back, you'll bounce back, you'll, you'll, don't be, you'll be fine, you'll bounce back. And then when I was in the gym and I couldn't just hit those numbers, I was, like, yeah. furious. And I was, like, and, and you, I post about this shit, too, but I'm, like, you don't bounce back. No, like, you don't. You earn back every single pound. And I remember Absolutely. actually talking to my old coach about it. And he's like, you, he's like, you're right. You don't bounce back. But you will hit those numbers you used to hit a lot quicker than it took you the first time to get there. Right. And I'm like, that's fair. Because I the, the fact that I could bench 135 again already. I shouldn't say already. It feels like forever. But my is like, it took me over a year to get there. It took me my whole powerlifting career <laughs> to get to 135. Right, yeah. Like, and so, and now I can hit it again. And so it's like, you get there quicker, but it's not a bounce back. No, like, I hate that phrase. I, I, I never used to hate it. And now I'm like, I don't say it. Like, I love the sentiment. I hear you. I get what everyone's trying to do. But PSA, that's not what they want to hear. <laughs> no. Like, I, when I hurt my SI, like, bad, um, it was literally, like, a struggle for me to get in and out of bed. My deadlifts were like 135, and mm-hmm. it was really just like tempo at 135 to make sure I didn't forget the form stuff that I was learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every, oh, you'll bounce back, you'll bounce back. I fought for six months to get back to yes where I had been. Like, no, you don't just bounce. And I hit it like I heard it in a meat prep, went to Kansas City, I hail married it, fucked it up again because I had hailed married it. Mm-hmm. And then get into this prep for Indy right off the bat. And I'm like, fuck, like it still hurts. So the good thing about off season is the second that I start to feel tension, I start to feel any kind of pain, I can go, okay, and you know what? We're actually going to take weight off. And Mm -hmm. I can feel good about taking weight off. I can feel good. I can feel okay about like, okay, sure, this isn't in the range, but like, let's look at my form. Yeah. I'm maturing as an athlete to know that 
this hurts and then I need to slow down instead mm-hmm. of just pushing myself like I would, you know, previously. However, if I hadn't gotten injured and I would have done what I was supposed to originally, I wouldn't have fallen back. And so, no, I haven't just bounced back. I'm not back at just pulling 375 for fun. Yeah. I hate that phrase because you don't. Yeah. You don't bounce back. You earn it back. You just do it a little bit quicker than you did the first time. Yes. Yeah. So, they'll earn it back. Tell people they'll earn it back. We'll earn it back. It'll come like, it back. I try to say it'll come back. Mm-hmm. Because it will. It may take you six weeks. It may take you six months. Yeah. It'll come back. It'll, it'll it's back. still there. Yep. But I don't tell people that they'll bounce back. I hate that. I think it slipped. I can't even remember who I was talking to. I think I said it. And then I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. Yeah, actually, <laughs> wait, like, no. It's okay. What's wrong? And I was like, don't. Like, I hate that people said that to me. I'm so sorry. I just said it to you. Like, uh-uh. I, I think, too, is like when I'm going through something. And I know people are trying to be, like, endearing and encouraging. But they'll be like, you're so strong. And I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe I don't want to be right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in the car. I'm tattling on myself on the internet and I hate doing this, but like I was crying on my way home one night and my sister, I God love her. I, I do with everything in my heart, but she was like, sis, you're so strong. Like you're going to get through this. And I'm like, I don't want to be so strong. Like, and I don't want people to not say that to people, but at the same time, like, I just yeah. feel like maybe if someone doesn't respond the way that you would expect them to, when you're giving them a pep talk, just know that like, sometimes people are sick of being strong. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, I try to tell people, that, like, sometimes you just got to sit in it. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I'm actually working on an episode about sitting with your emotions because I feel like, especially in 2022, that's been one of the most healing things for me is because I'm really bad about, like, I'll start to feel something and I'm like, actually, no, you're, you're not feeling that. Just <laughs> fucking chill out with that. <laughs> and my therapist was like, why, but why? Like, why do you not want to feel it? Why are you choking it back? And so I may choke it back because I'm at work or I'm with a patient or like whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in the shower, I'm like, okay, we actually need to sit with this and feel this. Mm-hmm. And I mean that because it sounds so tacky because so many people tell you to sit with your emotions to feel them. But no, like sit with them. You if have to. Fucking, so, yeah, go, that's, no, how, that's how I got through my shit and like and then a friend of mine who was actually going to studying to become a counselor was like you have to sit in your feelings and you have to feel them because emotions tell you where to go and I was like oh my god that's so simple but it's so true like if I don't realize I'm pissed off or sad or great whatever like then I can't take the next steps that I need right to get to move past that or to move forward or to accept it like Emotions tell you where to go. So if you don't understand them, then you'll default to whatever your your default is. And that looks different from everyone. Sometimes people isolate. Sometimes people rage. Sometimes people do whatever. Right. So you're not listening to what you need, where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. So true. I'm actually, I'm working. Um, I have a couple more people I'm meeting with about, like, people who have been counselors or therapists or whatever. Um, or have been through traumatic situations kind of thing that mm-hmm. I'm like interviewing for the purpose to make like one whole episode out of it. That'd be awesome. And I'm really excited. I actually had, um, and I'm, I'm not going to like say her name cause I don't know if she wants me to or not, but cause I knew she was nervous about messaging me in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she had mentioned making an episode about like learning to trust people again. And I was like, girlfriend, 
you got it. I'm going to work on it. And so I've been talking to people. That's another one that's like in the works and, you know, trusting people can be hard and depending on your situations. And, but at the end of whatever it is, it's all about sitting with the things that you're feeling, even though it's icky and sticky and not comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's not fun. Like I have cried my eyes out in my shower floor and woken up with a swollen face the next day because I cried so hard, but like Mm -hmm. legit, like sometimes you just have to. Yeah. I had to do that. Whether it's you're going through a breakup or something has happened along, like, you know, you've had health issues and with your Mm -hmm. pregnancy or like maybe you're just having a really bad week. Like it's okay to sit in your shower floor and cry. It doesn't make you dramatic. It doesn't make you whatever. Like fucking feel that shit because if you don't, it's not going to get any better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like putting a bandaid over a wound that really needs stitched. Yes, exactly. I started writing a lot. Like, I wasn't sleeping afterwards because you're just brain just racing. And so um, I started writing a lot, which can be good and not good for people, but it helped me a ton. It was comp- really therapeutic. Um, I went back to therapy. I'd been to therapy before, um, but that was really helpful. And then even, like, so, yeah. what, it's July and April, I was still, like, and this all happened in December. And in April, I was still just, like, not in a good place. Like, I got into a really oh, I'm sure place in April. And even my... And I kept making, like, these comments. They were pretty dark. Um, and my husband was like, I love you. You're not okay. And I don't know what we need to do. I know you're going to therapy. I know you have your gym back. But he's like, we've got to do something else because this is not, like, working. And I'm really worried yeah. about it. And I just started bawling, and I was like, I know, I feel the same way. Like, I just don't know what to do. Right. Um, and I actually, I actually, actually, ooh, a lot of people do not, I have not told very many people this, um, but I, I'm on medication for the first time ever. Um, I'm on an antidepressant, and honestly, like, I've probably been depressed since, I like, in junior high, I was in high school, I was super depressed. I've been depressed. Yeah. Depressed. I probably should have been on antidepressants a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I, like, that's why my routine and my structure and my lifting was so important to me. It was, like, as long as I have those things, I can do it. I can be okay. I can be okay. Um, and when I was lifting again and on a routine and going to therapy, and I was, like, I still cannot get out of this hole I was just like I don't know what to do so I talked to my therapist I ended up actually connecting with my OB again and I got on an antidepressant um which I felt like such a hypocrite because I work with college students and I'm always like you need to be on medication like do it it's fine it's not judgmental like right you need it like that doesn't make you less of a person it doesn't make you worse like take it but then when it was me, I felt like I had, I internalized like that as failure. I was like, you couldn't do it. You couldn't hack it. You couldn't figure it out. You're not good enough. Now you need medication. And it took me like, I was in such a place where I didn't know what else to do. So I kind of just did it, but it, I was taking it and still feeling like a failure. And it mm-hmm. took me a lot of friends and support. Who, not a lot, because I haven't told very many people, but a handful of friends and support who have talk to me a ton and who are like helped me like change my mindset right like it's okay to need it it's not you didn't fail like right and and it's still it just took me so long to not feel like I failed I I'm not on them currently because of like health insurance issues but 
Um, I actually have an appointment in September to go and see about getting um, on <clears throat> medication for my ADHD because I feel like that is the um, like root of everything. Like yeah. my back and forth emotions, my mood, like my mood swings are awful. Like one minute I can be fine and the next I'm not. And so the more that I read about ADHD, like a lot more that I learn is like linked to this. Mm-hmm. But when I did my interview about this appointment, I was like, I, I want to treat my ADHD because it's definitely the prevalent issue. But I am also to, open to if we go to medicate my ADHD and that's not fixing it and I do need an antidepressant or some kind of anti-anxiety, like I'm open to that yeah. as well. Because it does get to a point where it's kind of like maybe you it's okay to not be able to do it on your own. Yeah. Like I think it took me 31 years to get there. Cause I truly right. think since I was like 13 that I've been depressed, but yeah. I had, I didn't come from a, I didn't have the background that was like supportive of getting on medication. Like, yeah. I don't think it was necessarily like that. I didn't have the background. I just like a lot of times it was like, Oh, she's an angsty teen. And not that it was like, they <laughs> wouldn't put me on medication. But when you, as a teenager, like, my parents were definitely open. I was on an antidepressant at 16, like, mm-hmm. and my parents were fine with it. They never criticized me, you know, whatever. Um, but when you would tell other people or, like, oh, I got to take my meds and, you know, because I had, like, alarm set, like, from when I was supposed to take them. Mm-hmm. Like, Are you sure you're not just, like, an angsty teen? Like, you're not just because you're hormonal. And I'm, like, okay, like, maybe. But, like, at the same time, I'm also really fucking sad. So, like, can you just let me, like, take this mm-hmm. and, like, shut up? And, so and, like, I, don't dismiss it. Like, yeah. you're dismissing it. It's like, no, this is real. This is how I'm feeling. Something, I'm not okay. Fucking yeah. listen to me. And even if it's, I know some people do it temporarily, like, you know, to get through, like, the loss or, you know, family yeah, yeah, member yeah. or whatever. So even if it is temporary, like, it's okay to need it. Mm-hmm. Not tempor- Like, it's okay to need it on either side. Like, I don't think people realize how powerful your own mind is. Oh, Yeah. Like, you don't understand the capabilities of what your brain can do. Mm -hmm. And really, sometimes you need help controlling it. It's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I am wrapping up like my second month on it. And I cannot, not even just like, because the ectopsy, like literally since like, literally, it feels like my whole life. I've never felt so like, stable and consistent. And like, good and rational like I don't know I feel like I was just constantly chasing that like feel-good hormone yeah like like and powerlifting gave that to me and yoga gave that to me and then you online shop I'm not like a major shopper but I'll go through phases where I like buy one of random shit online yeah my 40 shorts like I just I would just I and then I like as soon as I got on the medication I was feeling a lot better I was like oh my god I don't feel this need to like chase that like even even my relationship with powerlifting right now I think is a little inconsistent because it's changing it's not mm-hmm. my literal mental health support that's giving me this feel good emotion I still get the feel good emotion emotion but like I don't need it you know what I right. mean like I think sometimes I didn't miss a lifting day because. And I used to lift like six or seven days a week. Like we've learned we're not supposed to anymore um, right. or ever should have. But like, because if I didn't lift, I didn't feel like I could get through the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and that sounds really oh. dramatic. No, but I get it. No, I 100% get but it. Like, I know what that feeling's like. And so I'm like, suddenly I'm just like, 
I, I, I don't need to lift anymore. Like, I love it, and I'm still obsessed with it, and it's a huge passion and part of my life, but I don't, like, need it to function as a human anymore. Yeah. And so it's, like, this whole new relationship and road that I'm on with powerlifting of getting to do it just because I love it and enjoy yeah. it, and it makes me feel good, and it makes our body's shape be fucking beautiful. Like, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah was so. there anything else that you wanted to talk about that you didn't get to i don't think so um no oh i wore i literally wore this shirt just for you it says elder emo i read it while you were like in the heart of your story so i was not gonna interrupt you and then, but it makes me so happy <laughs> and then it says it was never a phase mom literally <laughs> Oh my I was, gosh. I was nicknamed Eames in high school. People call me Eames. <laughs> I hit my emo phase late. Like, I kind of went through an emo phase freshman year, but then I, like, really hit it, like, junior year of high school. So I was, like, late to the emo game. Um, I, I'm and now the, I'm back. I'm in the OG age group of original emo. Like, I was in high school, my chemical romance, like, all of that. Oh my gosh. I call myself an OG emo now. <laughs> It's like the more that I like embrace my emo side, I'm like, this is who I've been all along. Oh, like yeah. she was always here. I think people like you kind of hit on thought I'd grow out of it, and I'm like, no, no, my side of my head is shaved, and I, I'm just gonna keep getting. It's only gonna get worse from here. Actually. It's not. Yeah, this is a part of me. It's not going anywhere. You thought it was a phase. It's actually only gonna get worse. Jokes we're, on you. We're thriving. Yes. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much. This was such a, I mean, honestly, it was like an eye opener for me as a woman to hear what you went through. And thank you for being so open and vulnerable and allowing like me to share your story through this podcast. This is going to be amazing for so many people to hear. And I'm so excited. And we really stayed on topic like 99% of the time. So editing is going to be a breeze. You are, yes, thank you so much. You are welcome for time. I'm, I'm so sure. excited. I had no time because I, I, I knew if I wasn't like structured, I would hop all over and I was like, this is important. I needed to make sense. So, well, that's why when me and Jack or me and Liz record, we get like three and a half hours worth of content. <laughs> and then I have to sort through three and a half hours and be like, okay, what of this do I want to use? And that's why they both have two part episodes because. <laughs> I couldn't decide. Um, so, okay. Thank you again. Thank you. I love it. I, I've never done anything like this. This was this was truly awesome. I think it would be cool to have you back in like six months. I'd love to come back. And like talk about like how your journey's been like because you've been on medication and like that's six months of like healing and growing and like how your strength has progressed. So I think like it would be really cool to have you back to like continue to talk about that. I'd love it. That'd be great. All right, guys. I am convinced at this point in my podcasting career, my whole like two month long podcasting career, that interviewing my teammates is my favorite. Um, again, we got to not only grow as teammates, but grow this bond as friends. It was, it's when I say that it's an honor, it really is an honor for me to have someone come on to my podcast and to just give them the floor to be able to share their story because I think that in itself inspires other people. And that is the only thing I've ever wanted to do is just inspire other people to be the absolute best versions of themselves. So if I can do that 
one episode at a time, then I'm doing what I want to do with my life and I'm happy. Again, thank you so much, Carolyn, for being on with us. I loved it and I can't wait to have her back to do like a little Carolyn check-in. Um, next week, I have another guest lined out for next week and it is my Taurus love, my soul sister, my, my son sister, my son sister because we are both Tauruses and the more that I get to know her, the more I'm like, damn, we really are alike, aren't we? I'm so excited to have her on. have no idea what we're talking about yet. I think it's just going to be like, like tea talk. Like we're just going to like whatever. I don't know that there's any kind of plan to it, but it's going to be hilarious because I'm hilarious and I'm a Taurus son and she's hilarious because she's a Taurus son and we're just going to fucking go with it, okay? Don't forget what a bad bitch you are. My kings, my queens, and my everything in betweens. I love you more than anything in this entire world because you are what makes this podcast a podcast or else I would just be sitting here talking to myself or like, the person on the other end and we get to hang out with you and that's pretty fucking cool go make this week your bitch main character energy only did you hear me main character energy only and i will see you hear you be with you whatever the fuck you're supposed to say there next week okay i love you and goodbye